Hello and welcome to Reliance's podcast. We hope that the message encourages your heart today. If you'd like to join us in person, we meet weekly on Sunday mornings at 8, 9.30, or 11 o'clock a.m. And if you want to find out more about Reliance, come check us out online. We are going to talk today a little bit um, um, about really what the zeal of Jesus is for his house. This is why it's important for us to be uh, a house of prayer. It's also why it's important for us to have these prayer encounters and to begin to train the body, have equipped the body about what prayer is, why it's important, why we engage in it. Because Jesus is going to come and he's going to be zealous for his house. And so that's why this weekend we got stretched a little bit. I feel like God met us. But more than anything, I feel like God ignited our hearts for why we pray and then the how we go after it. And uh, Jesus is going to come. And in John 2, 17, this is what they're going to note about Jesus. Oh, this is why he's so adamant in his house. He goes into the temple, flips tables, right, chases people out with whips. And here's what it says in John 2, 17. Zeal for your house will consume me. He was consumed with zeal for his father's house. Mm -hmm. So if Jesus is consumed for the house, should we be consumed for zeal in that as well? Mm -hmm. Yes and amen, right? And so then we've got to ask this question. So he's deeply, deeply concerned about what happens in the father's house when we gather together. Now we know this is a building. We're the house of God. Amen? We'll talk mm -hmm. about that. But he's deeply concerned. When we gather together, what's happening? What, what is it that we are doing? And so... Um, He's going to say this. This is what some of that zeal was about. Matthew 21, 12. You, you guys know this well. Jesus entered the temple, and he drove out all who sold and bought in the temple. He overturned the tables of the money changers and the seats of those who sold pigeons. And he said to them, it is written, my house shall be called. This is an important word. Not shall have. My house should add into. My house shall be called a house of prayer. But you make it a den of robbers. And so this is what we're after. What we're after more than anything else is that prayer, and you heard this last week, prayer is not just the activity, it's our identity. So when, so let me give you an example of this. When the angel came to Mary and said, you're going to conceive and you're going to have a child and you're going to call him Emmanuel, it means what? What's Emmanuel mean? God with us. It's the identity of who he is. It's God incarnate, stepped down in Jesus. Okay? So it's his identity. And then Jesus is going to come, and he's going to bring the kingdom of God with him. So he's going to bring the activity of the kingdom, but his identity is that he is God with us. Amen? So when we think about prayer, it's got to be more, and you heard this, and he's going to go into it a little bit, it's more than activity, it's the identity of who we are. My house shall be called a house of prayer, not just have it, it shall be called that. And so mm. more than anything, we're not talking about we want to add prayer to reliance. That's not the goal because it's not about a building. Everybody say amen. Yeah. It's not about the building. The house is, everybody say me. Now say it like you really believe your house. <laughs> Me, we're the house. How do we know that? First Peter 2, 5, this is stuff we're brushing up on. You yourselves, like living stones, are being built up into a spiritual house. So when we gather together, the house, you and I, one of the, maybe the primary thing together when we gather together is that we've got a house of prayer identity on us. Amen. Take it away. Yeah, so I want to do a real quick recap for those that weren't able to be there. We did this prayer encounter. It's my fourth one in 
about a little over a month and doing another one in two weeks down south at South Life. Um, and the reason is the Lord dropped this on my heart about a year ago that uh, prayer is such a big deal, but we have so little equipping. In fact, Friday night, out of 150 people or so that were there, asked who's been to a prayer conference or a prayer training, and two people raised their hands. And that doesn't mean condemnation if you've not been to a prayer conference or whatever, but I think we're taking for granted that this most important issue about being a people of prayer, that everybody knows how to do it. And I would say, in one sense, a child can pray. It's simple, and you learn prayer in the school of just doing it. I get that, but we need to lean in and intentionally do this. So I'm so thankful to, uh, to Aaron and the house here for having us in, in a place that's already given themselves to prayer to go a little bit deeper in the midst of it. Also, there's war over this thing. There's just constant war. Everybody struggles with prayer. Everybody in the room, anybody that struggles with prayer, say, oh, my. Yeah. It's all of us, and we talked about it last week because it is central to who we are in Christ and our humanity of who we are as a people. And so we want to lean in, and I want to just kind of come to the front line and begin to war for this thing. We do have the sessions. They were recorded. Ryan's figuring out where to park them if you want to get a hold of them. But let me give you just a brief overview. Friday nights are always, gonna, are always about the why of prayer. Why do we pray? All right, and Saturdays is the how of prayer, where we practice it and we do it. Friday nights, heavy, heavy content, revelation, going into who God is, and Saturday morning, and we'll talk about that, we kind of move a bit more and do lab times, getting people praying in the midst of this. So we uh, should ask, as a people, I think, why do we pray? Why do we pray? Why do we do that? And so we lean into that heavy, and we think the answer to why is in the word who, which is the who of God is and who we are. There are two sessions where we go deep into the theology of who God is as a person. And so um, we, we'll lean into that to answer this question of why we should pray. And I think we should answer, ask that question because of Matthew 6, 7 through 8, if you think through it. Uh, Jesus in the Sermon on the Mount had already kind of hit the Pharisees about praying so people could see you, you know, and so you get self-righteousness. Then he gets into praying, that's for the Jews, but then he talks about the Gentiles, the Gentiles who are doing pagan whatever with other gods, they think they're going to be heard by their many words, just saying them over and over and over and over. But he said, you shouldn't do this, and the reason is, is because don't be like them, for your father already knows what you need before you ask him. And like we say all the time, if you think about that, really think about it, then it should offend your logical mind. I'm going to ask Jesus or ask the Father what he already knows I need. And so we leaned in that just a little bit last week, and we got to lean in. Listen, we're, we, we should be existentialists. Anybody know what that word means? Sam just used a big word, whatever. See, when I look out my front door, the squirrels are never having a leadership meeting to talk about why are we getting all the acorns and burying them. They just get the acorns. The geese don't land in the pond and have a meeting to go, why are we going south all the time? Why do we? They don't, they don't say, we're image-bearing people who are self-conscious, and we need to know why we do what we do. You need to know why you're at your job, why you're in your marriage. The why will fuel your how and what you do. Does that make sense? So I think in the back of most people's minds, they're not sure why they're praying. Why do I pray? And if you think it through, you go, omniscient God, he knows everything. Well, we unpacked it and talked about the glory of the Trinitarian relationship. You have one God, 
in three persons. And I'm encouraging everyone everywhere, don't, don't downplay theology. Theology in its purest form is something you should give yourself to. Not doctrine so you can debate, but theology, which means what? Right. God is Theo, and ology is study God. You need to spend your life because you'll spend your eternity studying and discovering God. It's what will fuel your heart. And so finding passages and going deep and finding books where I'm thinking about the glory of who God is is just so important for us to understand. And within the Godhead, what we see is that God's doing two primary things, intimacy and intercession. He's in the middle of a I love you, a triune, I love you, I love you, I love you. John 17, 24, Jesus will say, before God ever made anything, before the foundation of the world, he loved me. Before the Father, he was loving me. So they were doing this eternal love affair. Listen, if anybody ever tells you God made Adam and Eve in the world because he was lonely, it's a lie. God's not lonely. God, God made everything out of the overflow of a love affair that was happening with the triune God. He's happy. He's real happy. He just wants to make more happy. That's what he's doing. He's overflowing with it, and he can't help himself in the middle of the glorious, I love you, I love you, I love you. And also, they're doing projects together. They ask each other for things. They say things, and they get involved in the redemption plan and in the nations. And so the father's talking to the son, and the son's asking the father for stuff. And so those two big things are why we do what we do. We worship, and we function by love because God is love. And he designed everything, and we get involved in purpose and the accomplishment of mission because that's in the Godhead. Secondly, it's because of who we are. And we said this last week, but you, you humans are made to pray. Every human being in here is made to pray because you're made by a creator who wants relationship with his creatures. So at the essence of your humanity is this thing of interacting with divinity. Does that make sense? You're not being fully human or not walking out your humanity if something has stolen your interaction with divinity. Sexuality, eating, working, all important to sustain life, to propagate the race. But at the core of everything, you could do all that and end up losing your whole life. We are made to talk with and to interact with God. So we're trying to set people free. I said it last week, one of my main missions going around these churches and doing this, I'm trying to help the church become more human. Not, so, not more mystical or more just spiritual. I want them to become more human where they're relating with their God and talking because everybody's made for this. If you're made to pray and to talk to God, say amen. amen. You got to get your theology right. No gift of prayer, no gift of intercession. Prayer is what we are. Prayer is what we are. So Psalms 109.4, David says that. I, in, in, in return for accusation, my love, they, they accuse me. So I give myself to prayer, or as we talked about last week, I am prayer. I made my life prayer. Where, where you'll find me is not arguing with man. You'll find me interacting with God. And that's what the man after God's own heart gives himself to. So we hit that strong. We hit it strong Friday night. We labored for it, trying to answer the why. Why do I pray? Because God... We talk to God because God talks to God. He designed everything like that, and he made us within that as image bearers. Adam and Eve are talking to God in that garden. What they lost in that garden was not, they didn't lose a nice, pleasurable place. They lost God. 
They're interacting with Father, Son, and Holy Spirit moving around in that garden and going to take the garden and fill the whole earth with it. That was their commission. They lost God. So then they're beginning to talk at a distance from God. And you feel what you feel because of sin and generational junk. You feel this distance. It's hard to pray. It's hard to lean in. You want me to talk to the invisible? Are you kidding me? My mind says that's stupid. The only reason your mind says that's stupid is because of sin. Does everybody understand that? You're made to interact with the invisible realm. Your God is invisible, and so he made you to do that, and so he's setting us free for such things. The next day, then all we did, go ahead. Well, flesh that out too of, of then what you see in the Old Testament of temples and curtains yeah. and what he's doing. So pre-Adam and Eve are having fun. They're talking, walking in the cool of the day. Post-fall, then they're calling out upon the name of the Lord. From a distance, then there's temples and veils and altars and all these things, and it's all marching toward God coming back after our hearts. The gospel restores you back to God. The reward of the gospel is God himself. Heaven is the fruit of it. Not going to hell was the fruit of it, but you get God back. He's closing the distance. He didn't here, I died. Here's your ticket. You don't have to go to hell. He, he died, rose again, went to heaven, and has sent the spirit inside you. I got the third person of Yahweh inside me. How about you? Is God in the room? We're not praying, God, come in the room. I came in the room, so God's in the room. You're in the room, so God's in the room. We are the carriers. We are the mobile house of prayer. It's not a building. It's not an organization. It's us. We carry his presence. So the next day then we practiced. And we talked about the how. The how of how we've been invited through redemption into the Trinitarian life and purpose. You understand that's what you, what's happened to you. You've been invited back in. You were outside. Now you come back in. These three relating in love and life and glory. And so we talked about the Holy Spirit and praying in the Spirit and what it means to respond to the Spirit. And then we opened up the room and Aaron's going to talk about we had a wild scene in here. Hey, real quick, though. So w with the why, you said something about joy last service. Yeah. Hammer that real fast because that's important. About joy. Deuteronomy. I'm going to hit it, buddy. You are going to. You're I'm coming back I'm to that. I'm going to get there, yeah, in just a minute. Oh, okay. Yeah, but I'll, I'll let you know. Okay, so anyway, um, <laughs> that was fun to do. That was anyway. fun, wasn't it? So, do you, okay, so here's what we did. So we activated hearts um, that's after what we did. information came and. Um, man, we, we said this, nothing about the prayer encounter was the deal. You didn't have to come to the prayer encounter. Some people were like, oh, I'm so bummed I missed. I'm like, it's, the prayer encounter's in you. He's in mm -hmm, you, right? Mm -hmm. And so we see it in scripture all over the place. Apart from me, Jesus says you could do nothing, not by might nor by power, but by my spirit, says the Lord. Paul says, if I, boast, I boast in Christ alone. And so all of this wasn't about the prayer encounters, about activating our hearts to listen to the Father's heart. So here's the deal and why I think it was so important. Hmm. When the Father's voice sources your heart, he hmm. moves. Yeah. When the Father's voice sources your heart, there's that dialogue, he begins to move. And so Sam comes, brings a bit of information. It was a lot, actually. You brought a lot. It was, it was, oh, it was a lot, right? When he came and brought the information, something began to happen. We talk about this a lot in here. Revelation began to hit people. Oh, that's a big deal. God cares about talking with his people. And so when the revelation hits, then something happens. Activation starts happening in people's hearts. They're like, I've got to get out and I've got to start doing this. So that information, revelation, starts activating people's hearts. And I was sharing with last service, then it's the get out of the way, Asian. 
all right? Mm. I don't know why. We need a nation on that, all right? <laughs> we, we just got out of the way, and the most beautiful thing happened when identity hit people's hearts, the identity of prayer and conversation with the Lord hit. Sam's leadership in leading it, kind of stirring it, he takes a step back, and then the Holy Spirit begins to activate people's hearts, and all 150 people start to get stirred, and here's what happens. Pockets are breaking out all over the room, praying for one another. So a little bit of activation, you started something, praying over someone, and then somebody else said, man, I feel in, in my heart, I've gone through some things. A group started praying over them, and so throughout the room, God began to move. This is how the book of Acts worked, amen? Mm -hmm. Everybody brought something because everybody has him in them. So the whole room's moving, and one of the most beautiful things is there's an older gentleman that was sitting there, and kind of some tears streaming down his face, and Sam looks up and says, hey, what's going on with you? And here's this guy, and is uh, just a little older in his life, and he just says, I'm so moved because I feel the presence of the Lord in my heart. And I'm just like, right? And what you saw happen in that moment is you didn't need a man to lead. The Holy Spirit had it. The Holy Spirit had it, and it was beautiful as God began to move in people's life. And didn't get off the rails, didn't go crazy. There was order in the house as people began to utilize this conversation that they're having with God, just downloading hearts with one another. And what we were was in a culture of prayer. Yeah. Most of us think about prayer meetings, and we've got them where you sit in circles and you pray. We love that, okay? But prayer is bigger than that. Prayer is what you're doing at home. Prayer is when you're Dylan's prayer is when we were doing that. We were just in a culture of prayer where the presence of God was moving in power. And, and suddenly an hour went by and we were running out of time in the morning because we were having fun yeah. being in the, there's joy in the house of God. And I say one thing on that before you run to the joy thing too. I told you to do it. And yeah, I, I know. Told you not to yeah, do it. So hang on okay. a um, So one thing that happened, which was beautiful, nobody goes over and says, wow. How did you guess what was going on in my life? Right. Nobody was giving credit to, man, when somebody would kind of speak and it would hit some deep places of the heart, in that moment, what people were doing was going, he loves me. Eight billion people on the planet, and he just got my heart. He just saw it. And this is why you see stories of the woman at the well and people that Jesus would encounter, and, and he would say a word over them, and all of a sudden they would be filled with joy and run going, he told me everything about my life. He told me I was a sinner, <laughs> right? He's basically going, hey, you, you know, the guy you're with now is not your husband. You've had five. And she's like, you know. She's seen yes. by the God of the universe. Yes. He loves her. That's right. He loves her. And so joy hits her. So when Jesus tears through that temple, he's not just upset that people are making high interest and making bit. He's, his primary grief is this is my house, and it's all horizontal religion. I want it vertically talking to me. Because when it vertically talks to me, and I get it set in order, he tears through, turns over the tables. Then suddenly, the blind are seeing, the sick are being made well, and children are singing, and it's a wild scene. But it's just the culture of the Trinity of heaven manifesting there in Jerusalem in the heart. Does that make sense? It's not just they're doing the wrong thing. Religion can be the wrong thing. If I'm doing my religion without interaction with my God, then I've missed the whole point. Because we said God's not looking for information from us. He's demanding interaction. That's what he's looking for. He wants that interaction. When we interact heart to heart, the power of God begins to move. So we ended with this kind of deal about praying the word of God. And many of you may do that. We're about to practice it a little bit. But love to say this deal. When a child of God 
praise the word of God, by the spirit of God, in the name of God, to God, then we get a move of God. This is so important for you because so many, how do I pray the heart and the will of God? Well, you've got it. It's in the Bible. Getting Bible verses in your mouth and in your heart and saying them, you're saying the heart of God. That's what's so, Jesus is the ultimate man after God's own heart. That's what he does. He says what's in the Father's heart, then the Spirit begins to move. That's the Genesis 1. Genesis 1 is the Father's like, I don't want darkness there. The Son says, let there be light. And the Spirit who is above begins to engage in the middle of it. It's a Trinitarian glorious thing that happens. This is how all things happen. As we discern God's heart, say it back to him, the Spirit begins to move. So when a child of God prays the Word of God, by the Spirit of God, in the name of God, Jesus, to God the Father, then the, it, it just cannot not happen. The Spirit of God begins to move. So we trained a bit in doing that thing, and then we ended with joy, if I could make my point now. Why don't you talk about joy? Okay? Is that all right? Now. Would you do it okay? now? Yeah, thank you. That's great. All right, here we go. Deuteronomy 28. Deuteronomy 28, verse 47, 48. We'll put it up here for you. But you need to tell me what Yahweh's getting on to them about. Because you did not serve the Lord, that's Yahweh. When you see the Lord, it's Yahweh, your Elohim, with joyfulness and gladness of heart because of the abundance of all things I gave you that made you, should have made you that. Therefore, you shall serve enemies whom the Lord will send against you. What is it he's indicting them for? What is it that he's got against them? That they did not serve the Lord? Is that what it is? What is it? That they did not serve the Lord with? The Lord is not okay with grumbling, begrudging, drag yourself in religion. He is looking for, requiring that we have joyfulness and gladness. God is serious about your joy. And you don't need to feel condemnation when you don't feel it, but you do need to check your heart because, you know, I'm not okay with the son who takes the garbage out with an attitude. I get the garbage out, but I didn't get father-sonship thing going. And so you're like, well, which kid is going to be, yeah, I get to take the garbage out. Yay, Dad, thank you. I know that may never happen. The illustration only goes so far. But... The father's looking for his house to be full of joy, gladness. I mean, I've never met anybody that truly gets a revelation of prayer and gives himself to prayer, say, this is one of the most boring things I ever do. I go, I talk to God, he talks back to me, fills me with his spirit, it really stinks. I feel his joy, I feel his righteousness, I feel his healing, I just, Has anybody ever heard that? The prayer people are the craziest happy people on the planet. And it's the will of God for everybody. God wants you maximally happy. And he wants his heart happy and wants you guys touching. And so, and so I got to say something about that. It's so funny because when we first started prayer like three, four years ago doing it corporately together, it was the one time everybody had to go to the bathroom at the same time. It was crazy. <laughs> oh, my bladder's full all of a sudden, right? Yeah, yeah. Doors would open, people go out. But it shifted over the years. Now it's the time we long for in the house. Amen? Because joy has come in the house with prayer. Hey, real quick, I had a little, uh, somebody gave me an illustration for you. Check this out. Can you pull that picture up? Look, I hear you, Jesus. I'm coming. Do you see the smile? Somebody showed me that at 8 o'clock. They said that's for Sam. That's That's a freebie. Are they calling me that? What is that? I I don't, you're a joyful lamb. Yeah, that's good. So I do think that people are starting to uh, run to prayer meetings. They used to run away from them. And it's because, listen, 
We at the thing in this, I want to make this observation. We, I do not in these prayer encounters want to preach prayer to the body of Christ. I want to preach Jesus Christ and God. Yeah. Prayer is the description of how we interact with him. But we're not trying to get you better at prayer. We're trying to get you closer to God. You get closer to him, you want to talk with him, talk with him with other people, then prayer begins to take care of itself, and it's a powerful, powerful thing. Amen. And so I, the, what I feel like wars against this is that literally the enemy wants to break your abiding with him. Yeah. He's not so worried about you trying to be right. He wants to break your abiding because it's in that John 15, abide with me and I will abide with you. That's when we begin to see that intimacy grow with the Lord. And so um, where, where, where our hope here for this house of prayer, as you've heard a lot of these things before, is that Jeremiah three fifteen he says, I will give you shepherds after my own heart mm. who will feed you with knowledge and understanding. And so this knowledge and understanding is, Lord, what, is, what are you zealous for? What are you passionate for? What's your heart? And then we want to have that same heart in this place. And there's a big deal on that with Saul and David. Yeah, yeah, and so... It doesn't say, and I'll give you shepherds after my own hand, which is what we believe Saul was. There is a transition of body of Christ globally, actually, and I could talk you through some of that, but we're moving from a culture of Saul to a culture of David. Saul was after God's hand to get him out of trouble. He was locked in on it. He was real dedicated to Yahweh, and he wanted his miracles and his power to sustain his position as king. David is after God's own heart, and he seems to almost not care about being king, it was like doors were opening, and he's like, yeah, whatever. I'll be king if he wants me to. I want his heart. Yeah. And something is shifting, I think, in the body of Christ around this, both in the pulpit and in the pew. That's an awesome, awesome sign. And so if we can get his heart, then John 10 says these words, my sheep hear Sam's voice, Aaron's voice, my sheep hear my voice, and I know them, and they follow me, I give them eternal life. This Jesus, I give them eternal They will never perish, and no one will snatch them out of my hand. The key is this, that we've got to know his voice and follow him. Sam said something at the prayer encounter I thought was really good. One of the greatest compliments to John the Baptist's life is that he lost all of his disciples to Jesus. Everybody's like, John, all of your disciples are going after Jesus. And he made this observation, and John's like, I know. That's the goal. The goal is that we would lose all people in our congregations to Jesus and not our churches. His leadership team's freaking out. Right. What, they're going over to him. The one you were talking about, he's baptized and more people are going. And he's like, yeah, I know. That's why we did this. So we talked about. It was awesome. You're going to change your logo, right? I, well, did, Reliance. did we talk about that? Yeah, Reliance. Okay. Wanting to lose disciples to Jesus. Okay, awesome. <laughs> we'll mill that around. Let's mill that around a bit. Um, Workshop so, it. Yeah, so, be great. Yeah. so what we do is we, we obviously, we give ourselves over to prayer. Here, we, we pray. It's, it's why we do what we do. Now you know we're not just trying to add prayer into our Sunday services. Oh, it's just another thing that they do. We are deeply seated to be zealous for what he is zealous for. And we know what it's doing when we converse with the God of the universe. He moves. And joy fills the house. And so we have rhythms um, back there on those tables. We've shown you some different things that are going on through the city. We've got two here on, on uh, Mondays we pray, um, and on Thursdays we pray, and then, of course, Sunday mornings. There's other ones throughout the city. Um, here's the thing. We're not trying to add more activity for you to participate in. We're trying to give you opportunities to grow in your identity so that then when you leave, you'll have these conversations with the Lord ongoing without ceasing. When you go to any Costco people in here? Sam's, who loves Jesus? Sam's, all right, all right, awesome, West Siders, yeah, I get it. So here's the deal, we had a pastor from Vintage Faith, great guy, Tom Brown, awesome man of God, 
changing prayer culture at his church vintage faith, one of his gals in Costco, she's learning this. She's like, I'm talking with the Lord. I'm not at a prayer gathering. I'm prayer. I'm talking with the Lord. Walks into Costco, pregnant woman. She's like, I feel like the Lord's giving me something for her. Goes over and says, hey, can I pray over you? Is there something going on? The woman's like, oh, I'm pregnant. She goes, I see. She's like, I'm breached. I've been doing everything that I can to not be breached. She goes, I pray over you. They swap numbers. She prayed over her. The lady calls her and says, immediately when she went back to the doctor, the baby is turned. She's not breached anymore. Mm-hmm. So here's what happened. In Costco, joy filled the house because prayer, that lady was there. She didn't say, hey, come to my prayer service and we'll pray. It happened in Costco. Isn't that awesome? This is why it's important that we practice it in here because we do it in here, we'll do it out there. And what I love is this house has committed that. Aaron's had pastors in the city come to him. How you guys doing that is they're kind of making their progression. And um, as I feel like I'm a missionary to the church and have opportunity to go and speak in multiple churches and do various things and in the state. And um, my goal in the midst of that is just to get the house, the family of God, talking to God together. Because when they do that, really good things happen. The prayer movement where we had thousands of people come out in 30 meetings there right before COVID from 2015 to 2020. The amount of amazing missional things that manifested out of the prayer meetings. We liked the prayer meetings. They were roaring. Cochorina, it's fun to sing there together with a bunch of people and all that kind of stuff. But that was almost secondarily what was the great part about it. The great part was when people are walking out of the buildings and they're connecting under the direction of the Holy Spirit. The prayer movement for me is just a means to try to get the body of Christ together talking to the Father under his government and his direction so he can manifest the kingdom. I've had some people kind of sometimes said, Sam, all you want to do is get people in a room of prayer. Or like some pastors in the city, Sam does the prayer movement stuff, then we're going to work on the missions movement. Listen, the prayer movement makes no sense to me if it doesn't manifest into a missions movement. When you get near the Father, you start to love what he loves. And you begin to share gospel and you begin to move into mission. They're all the same thing. But let me just lastly, this prayer thing is a root issue. And the church, I think, in sincerity, is so obsessed with producing fruit. And we should want to bear fruit. You'll know them by their fruit, right? But you don't produce fruit unless you're rightly rooted. You don't fruit it until you're rooted. And we've missed, <laughs> we're sometimes rooted in planning center skill. How do we get the building better? How do we, right? I mean, and we're sincere. How do we get more people? I know the attractional guys. I love them. I know them. They want more people to come to Jesus. That's awesome. It's just I think that you and I are the main way people come to Jesus, not necessarily even services. Ah. So we carry the presence of God and we carry the gospel and we need the church rooted so she's producing the right fruit. And this prayer issue is that issue and so we labor strong for it. You won't do rooted. Uh, what did you say? You won't do fruited till you're rooted. Right. You'll wrong fruit. That was deep. Okay. So, um. You go home and make an apple I today. Li- go make an apple. <laughs> You're going to need a seed and a I'm tree and dirt. I'm with you, brother. All right. So we're going to pray through this, right? Yeah. We're going to do some rhythms of prayer. Um, and here's what we're going to do. We're gonna, we're gonna, I'm going to have the worship team coming up here. We're going to actually um, sing the word. We're going to sing the word a little bit together. Just let it hit our hearts. Then we're going to pray over one another. We're going to uh, split up in our groups. We're going to pray over one another. Then in our groups, we're going to pray over the city. 
and this is what our rhythm is going to be today. And I want to, I want to just reiterate this again and again and again and again and again. This is why we do this. Because we see, we've seen, we know that through this activity of God saying, I'm talking to you, we see Moses have an encounter with a burning bush, changes the course of his life. Abraham have an encounter with God when he looks up in the sky, changes the course of his life. Twelve disciples have an encounter with God when he speaks to them through Christ, changes the course of their life. He'll change the course of your life. Amen. Thank you, Jesus, for salvation. Thank you that you want to talk to us. And so we are, we are big on order. Order is big. And scriptures all, man, all over the place. It's God's trying to communicate with you. Are you talking with him? Amen? So we're going to turn sing to this. Psalm 16. Yep. 7 and 8. We'll have it up here. If you've got it near you, great. Or not. But we want to, it seems weird to me more and more to talk about stuff and not practice it. So we're going to practice this now. I know there's this feeling of awkwardness. You're welcome from the preachers. But we just, we want to train. You're the leadership team in the city. You are the great plan A with no plan B. We need to train you to do these kinds of things. So we're going to just pray this word. Now let me say this real quick. It's a trick question. If anybody gets it right, I'll give you a piece of candy, okay? Are we starting a prayer meeting right now when we begin to do this? No. Candy, I see you, Lauren. We're not. We're joining the eternal past prayer meeting. The Trinity is talking with one another. The Holy Spirit inside all of you is already praying. We're just getting involved with that right now, which is real important. So would you all please stand? Psalm 16, 7 and 8 says these words. I bless the Lord who gives me counsel. Listen to these words. In the night also my heart instructs me. How beautiful that I, when prayer is that identity. Through the night, even when I'm sleeping, my heart's for his heart, his heart's for mine and He's instructing me. Listen to these words. I have set the Lord always before me because he is at my right hand. I shall not be shaken. So in this, you've got really bless the Lord. We always want to start off with that rhythm. Bless you, Lord. Bless you, Lord. Ask him for his counsel and instruction. I only want to do what you do. Jesus says, I only do what I see the Father doing. Set the Lord before all your ways. I set you before my family, before my marriage, before my work. I set you before everything in my life. You're before it all. And then... He says, I will not be shaken. So boldness and faith, God. Give me the boldness and faith to know I will not be shaken. So we're going we're gonna to pray through this. So we want to pray right now. We're going to take a couple minutes. You're standing there. I know it's the This is your least favorite part. This is my favorite part of the service. Not us or especially Aaron talking. It's when we begin to do this stuff right here. So you're going to take that word and apply it and pray it over yourself. When a child of God prays the word of God by the spirit of God, the name of God. In Jesus' name, pray. Lord, I bless you with all my heart. I praise you for your counsel. Help me hear your counsel more. However you do that. I set you before me and other stuff that's before me. Would you help remove it? I want you just to go ahead and take that passage as they play, pray, uh, play along and just begin to pray. Begin to pray this for yourself right now. One, two, three, go. And you can keep your eyes open. In your heart, with your mouth. Say the word and say your for me. Make it personal. For me. Thank you so much for tuning in for today's word. We hope that it continues to encourage you and bless you as you go about your day to day. Until then, we will see you next Sunday. Have a great week.